Blog Talk Radio. First impressions aren't the most important thing. They're the only thing. At Ernie's Print Shop, we'll produce what you need to represent your company professionally. Right now, you can get 1,000 full-color business cards, 1,000 4x6 postcards, or a 3x5 banner for just $60. You choose. Check us out at Ernie'sPrintShop.com. Ernie's Print Shop. Over 50 years, one source, one solution. Ernie'sPrintShop.com. 502-969-8585. Being a victim of crime is no joke, but you do have options that can help you avoid becoming a victim. I'm Ed Springston of the My View Matters Radio Show, and on behalf of myself and co-host Ed Martin, I urge each of you to help us fight against crime. You can do your part by calling Crime Stoppers at 582 Clue. Since 1982, Crime Stoppers has helped get over 23,000 criminals off the street with your help. Working together, we can make a difference to take our streets back. Please call Crime Stoppers at 582-CLUE, or you can visit them online at www.582clue.com. Remember, Crime Stoppers always offers up to a $1,000 reward. Get involved and help make a positive change in your neighborhood. Thanks. Advertisers, here's a great way to reach a quality audience. Get heard on My View Matters and make some noise in the marketplace. Email myviewmatters at aol.com for advertising opportunities. Make a sound investment. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! to the Ed Springston Show, brought to you by the MVM Radio Network, home of EdSpringston.com. You can go for all the latest stories, podcasts, whatever we've got going. While you're at EdSpringston.com, I would ask that you please do a few things. First and foremost, like the thousands of people before you, please join the email newsletter. We'll get back with you on a weekly or a monthly basis, your choice. Secondly, please join the RSS feed, and we'll make sure the podcast is delivered to your inbox as well. And finally, donate, donate, donate. Yes, we have a handy-dandy PayPal link there. Uh, We'd appreciate any help you can give us. In the meantime, call our number as always, 858-683-1326. And for those of you in the listening queue, hit the number one on your dial pad. We'll get you on there as soon as possible. Uh, For everyone else, the live chat is now open, so you can get a hold of us there. You can also reach me on Facebook at Ed Springstead. So welcome to a brand new week. Got a lot of things going on. We will obviously focus on some things here in Louisville. Uh, but, Mr. Martin, how are you? Oh, holding up, Mr. Springston. Just staying busy, always. <laughs> well, damn, that's a, that's a short intro yeah, for I, you. I, 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 yeah, I was going to say, well, you know, I, I like springtime, but damn it. You know, it's like the wintertime's good for some things. You're not a lot of daylight, not a lot of yard work, not a lot of allergies and right. damn i'm telling you know and you, you love the springtime and you 
more sunshine. They feel alive, but it's like boy in Kentucky. The allergies come. Wears you out. Allergies come on. They come. They come at you just ahead of the the grass starting to grow. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, you know, that's it. I cut the grass. I cut my grass the other day, man. I tell you what. And, uh, you know, springtime is always bad for me. I've got some really, really bad allergies, especially when I cut grass. And, man, it kills me for a few days. And, uh, you know, but, hell, we got 81 today, so it's a really nice day outside. Uh, a little warm for what we're used to. But I fully expect it to be 30 degrees sometime in the next week or so with an inch or two of snow. Uh, that seems to be our pattern lately, so just hang on. Um uh, <laughs> Man, I hope I'm lying. I really do. I do know we've got some rain on the way. I got some business associates in Frankfurt, and I'm telling you, they, 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 they <laughs> over the weekend, two inches of snow out on their back porch. I'm like, oh, crap, man, you know. It's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. Tough, right? I, uh, no. You know, I tell you, we've got, we've got a lot going on here. And quite honestly, it's almost to the point of being uh, comical, if you will. Um, well, we've still got this whole budget mess going on. Greg Fisher still out there screwing around. And, uh, you know, it's kind of to the point where you just want to say, screw it all. Um, you know, or fuck it all. They should have a pill called fuck it all is what they should have. But, you know, it's ridiculous. We've got a so-called $300 million gap uh, over the next few years. Um, you know, and we're going to cut 300 jobs, uh, with the libraries, the pools and everything else. But I noticed a couple of things Greg Fisher didn't cut in his latest fiasco. Uh, he left the bike lanes intact. Uh, he's going to continue funding bike lanes. Um, he's still going to continue spending a couple hundred thousand dollars on the Derby for him and his family and their close friends. Don't buy this whole business bullshit, folks. That's a lie. Um, you know, and yet, the $200,000 he needs to keep the pools open for the kids in the summer and everything else. This is America cares about kids, right? Heat and everything else. They're going to go ahead and shut the public pools. Now, the Mary T. Moggers pool is going to stay open, of course, because you don't want to piss off those guys. So, you know, these kind of things are going on. On top of all of that, we're talking about cutting $6 million out of LMPD's budget. Uh, makes entirely no sense to me. Um, you know, I'm trying to understand his logic here. And, oh, by the way, on top of all of that, they went out and they did new assessments for the entire south and southwest community, everything from Shively to PRP and and, uh, Valley Station and beyond. And they used targeting uh, assessments, and I'll explain that in a minute. But what are your thoughts on on this whole budget thing? I mean, this is just utterly ridiculous. Well, again, I I think so much of it has to do with Fisher's, Fisher's having a little bit of a tantrum. I mean... Here's a guy who said, uh, you know, on one, he's ran on uh, everything being so rosy. And then, he, then when things went south, you know, after the election, he comes, oh, God, we got this huge budget deficit, you know, because of the pension. Right. Not fair, you know, whatever. And, and and when he stood up, and this is what I think the problem is, he stood up. And I've told people this uh, online, on this show, <clears throat> stood up and said, the only way we can do this is raise your taxes. Boom. <clears throat> you know, I'm the mayor. Damn it, this is what I'm saying. The only way we can do it, we're going to raise these taxes like this. And right. I think he's I think he's a little butthurt that he didn't get what he wanted. But I think more than that, I think he's embarrassed. I, I truly think he's embarrassed because he stands up with all, you know, putting his credibility on the line. Bad move. You know, saying this is how it has to be dealt with. Done. Right. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people are saying, 
I, I, I don't think that's the only way this can be dealt with. You know, there's, there's, there's cuts, there's, there's, there's sales of stuff. There's, there's, as with this Balkenberg fella, there's just this change to the wording on the Young Center. And it's like, there's millions of dollars are freed up. I think as much as anything, I think our fair mayor is embarrassed and that has led him to be, you know, a little, a little bitter in the way he's handling this. Because like I said, you stand up, you're supposed to be your, your elected mayor, Landside, whatever, and you know, you said this is how it has to be done, and a bunch of, I guess you could say a bunch of amateurs stood up and said, mm, maybe not, this might not be the only way it could be, and you're, you're humiliated. And he shouldn't have stood up and said that. I've said it from day one when he stood up and said that. The first thing you do is you stand up and you, you say, look, we've got to make some cuts. We're going to be doing some cuts. We're going to cut, cut, cut. We're going to propose some cuts to save some money, and we'll get back with you. You know, so you right. in government, you're here to serve the public. So part of your service is is you don't just stand up and issue ultimatums to us. You stand up and mm-hmm. say, look, we've made the cuts. If we, you know, cutting any deeper, and you know, you make the first move making the cuts. You don't make the first move saying pay me more. You make the first move giving some cuts. This is some political advice for you, Greg. Make offer up some cuts and then say, but we still may have to raise taxes. And you know what? Changes the whole perception of everything. It's like, ah, okay, well, we made the cuts. They weren't enough, but okay, cool. You you tried. We can raise the taxes a little bit. It, I think he could have sold it, but I, I think his ego and the ego of the dicks, as you like to say, the Democrats in charge, got the better of them, and they just thought they were going to ram it down everybody's throat. And nobody was going to question them, and it's. It, it, didn't work out that way, thankfully. Well, what's interesting here? What's interesting here too is, I mean, you know, for one thing, we've never seen a a Democrat who likes to cut anything, and they won't. Um, they're always going to add to everything. They never cut anything, which is why we get such bloated government. And you know, but we look at all these different things, and then we've got some real world examples here. Uh, the second highest paid Metro government employee last year. Uh, this is Joe Saka. Joe Saka. Joe Saka does some really good uh, research. I'll give, I'll give him credit for that. I don't always agree with Joe Saka, but, yeah. I, and I, and do, but I do respect his research. Joe Saka can be a pill, personally, but he's one of the best research guys going, and it just goes to show you Aaron Yarmuth, let him go. Aaron Yarmuth had him at Leo, I believe, and they let Joe Saka go. It's like, not a good move, guys. He was the best one you had. It would be, it would be like the same as the Courier Journal letting Philip Bailey go. It's like you know, bad move, bro. <laughs> okay, John. Well, outside, outside of a, outside of a buddy of mine and me, I think Sonk was one of the top three researchers out there. Um, yeah. But you know, we look at this. But the second highest paid Metro government employee last year was a guy by the name of George Manley. Now, most of you guys won't even know who this guy is. He made one hundred eighty-seven thousand nine hundred dollars last year. The only one who made more money than him last year is Metro Police Department Chief Steve Conrad. Manley is not a director of any Metro government agency. He's not in any type of top leadership position anywhere. Uh, You know, his regular salary is actually only supposed to be $55,000 a year. But he brought in over $129,000 in overtime paid last year as a sergeant with the Metro Department of Corrections. His take-home pay was $26,000 larger than the third highest paid city employee's gross. You know, and if you look at the city records through the first quarter this year, and again, this is Joe Saka. His research for me is above reproach in this. 
Uh, he's already made over 35000 overtime pay this year alone, and we're just into April. He's already made $54,000 in total pay, and we're just into April. So he's on pace to probably make even more than he did last year. Uh, you know, but he's not alone. I mean, his, his is the largest example, but he's not alone. Now, here's the thing. The city spent $35 million on overtime costs last year alone. And right now they're trying to figure out how to, how to fill this so-called $35 million budget shortfall that Greg Fisher is swearing up and down we have. <laughs> uh, now explain to me how the city can pay out $35 million in overtime, not counting all the bullshit, you know, consulting contracts to get all their friends wow. and everything else. Miraculously, we have a $35 million shortfall. Do you see any problems with that anywhere? See, this is a well, thing for me. Know, I, and, I, and I'll say this. In, in the business world, we, we have a, you know, there's an equation. You kind of got to follow it. There comes a point where a little overtime is, is, is you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bonus to your, your good employees anyway. But it's also favorable to hiring on another full 40-hour employee and paying insurance and work comp and all that other stuff. So, I mean, it's a cost, it's a, but there's a balance there. And, yeah, like, when you're making that much money, uh, there's no need. That kind of overtime, or if I reported that kind of, if I had employees pulling, you know, guys on the floor pulling that kind of overtime, somebody's going to ream me, you know, because it's like, dude, you know, you got that going on, hire another employee. But it's it, it, just. Uh, See, that's it. You know, Mark Bolton says that Corrections that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, has. That's some great. That's some great money. I mean, that's right along the lines. Not too long ago, remember the federal grant that like three officers were raking oh, in six figures, like it was going out of style. It's like, you know, please, somebody audit the city. You know, this is it. It's just it. This stuff keeps showing up. It keeps showing up, and uh-huh. like I said. This is this again. This is where the mayor drops the ball. He stands up and says, "We have to raise your taxes." Um, right. And dude, you know, you know, you've got problems. You go through, make your cuts, clean up the messes, then come back and ask yep. about problems. It's like, I'm sorry, you got a guy pulling 180 large a year, and he's let's let's mm-hmm. be honest, he's with Metro Corrections, so he's not like he's he's on stakeouts or out there in the middle, you know. In the, in the worst parts of town in the middle of the night getting it done, he's in jail. Right. He's in the same place. Yep. He's probably got a cot. He's, he's either got a cot or he's got a whole bunch of red volcans somewhere who's staying awake. Because, oh, that kind of overtime, I'm sorry, boss. I got a sneaky feeling this briefing on the job. And now you got somebody punching you in and punching you out. That's just too damn much. Well, see, and that's the thing. In 2015, Manley, who was then an officer, Made forty-two thousand in salary plus about three thousand four hundred in overtime pay. That's not bad. Forty-five thousand total compensation. But he was promoted to sergeant the next year. He got an eight thousand dollar raise to his salary, which is fair. But then he all of a sudden started getting overtime payments. It went from fourth from about thirty-four hundred dollars to sixty-two thousand. Two thousand seventeen, that overtime jumped from sixty-two to ninety thousand, and then last year one hundred twenty-nine thousand. So as soon as he got promoted to sergeant. All of a sudden, all this money is kind of rolling around in his pocket. Now, you know, you look at all of this stuff yeah. in play here, right? I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is. Ed. It's, it's going to be tasteless. He's got dirt on I'm somebody. Listening. He's got dirt on somebody. He caught, he, well, caught somebody in the right, he caught somebody in the right position 
boogering the wrong person. And he's just like, oh, yeah, okay, how are we going to work this out? And I'm like, okay, you have all the overtime you want. Just don't tell my wife or something like that. All right. All right. There's no other explanation for it. No, no, no higher-up supervisor or anybody would sign off on that horse shit. No. But, you know, he, this, is, this is all part somebody. of the – Well, not necessarily. This is all part of the unit contract. I mean, he's a top senior guy, right? According to unit contracts, see, this is the problem with units. According to unit contract, the highest seniority members get offered overtime first. Okay, let's do that, all right? But realistically, the biggest problem is it, it's, you know, you're talking about all this overtime pay and everything else. The the top echelon, the top senior guys get the to get the overtime, all right? But the reason that these senior guys go for this overtime and put in for all of this overtime and get all this overtime at high pay like that, they're going to take every hour they can get because of the way – that the seniority and the uh, pensions are set up. All right, they take your top years working to uh, for your pension. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so this 178 or 180 thousand, whatever it is, for his overtime is going to be counted as one of his top years. So the last three years, yep. he has went from 3,400 a year in overtime to about 129 in overtime, right? Yep. And all of that is added on to his regular salary. So he gets to crank up the pension cost. And get a hell of a lot more oh. money than was ever paid in, and we wonder what the problem is with the pension oh, prices. Oh, yeah, right? the dude, the dude, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna do whatever the high five or the whatever we used to call it. Uh, he's gonna get that, yeah, that's that one forty or whatever. It's gonna that one eighty is gonna factor into it. So yeah, he's just welcome, welcome to the pension crisis, folks. This guy's probably gonna be pulling six figures under the current contract. He's probably gonna be pulling close to six figures in pension after screwing you absolutely, off, you know. After after shagging you rotten on this overtime, and I'm sorry, you don't get that much overtime. There's just not that much to do. You know, you, it, it, I I can work. I can go 12, 14 hours a day like anybody. Right. So where it wears me out more than it used to. But I'm sorry, boss. You, you there's just there's just no way you are cranking that much overtime all the time. You're you know somebody's punching you in. Uh, you know, something you got a cot somewhere right. in the jail. You you catching up? <laughs> you know, you're 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 on your smartphone half time. You know, texting, texting whoever. It it's it's not, and it's just you just can't stay intense that long. You know, you burn out. Right. Uh yeah. It's just, but again, like I say, rather than rather than call the waste, rather than. Rather than reconfigure some contracts and you know stuff like that, no, the mayor came out and said we're raising your taxes. It's the only way. Apparently right. not. Yeah. And here's the other part of that. Okay, here's the other part of that. Joe Saka did another story on April the 23rd, and uh, found out that the inmates housed at Louisville's jail has fallen yep. to its lowest level since 2015. So we're at a three-year low, well, three-and-a-half-year low, I guess now, um, a three-and-a-half-year low on the number of inmates there, and yet the overtime continues going up. Somebody want to explain that one to me? None of that makes sense either, right? So, you know, I get that we have certain positions that have to be staffed 24 hours a day. I understand that. You can't just have an empty jail with staff. I've got no problem with that. But you've got 73 open positions, all right, you're going to hire people to come in to take those positions. So you're not paying double time. You're paying straight time. And you're also paying at the lowest level seniority for those hours. So you're saving a few million dollars a year. 
Um, you know, these are the things that concern me, is what's going on with this moron that we call a mayor that can, they can't put two and two together. Anybody that knows first damn thing about business knows the simplicity of this, and yet this mayor can't do it. So we're paying out $35 million a year in overtime. We could save it. We could cut that down to at least a third by eliminating the overtime by hiring more people. If those people are necessary to their requirement, then you hire them. It's that simple. Yeah, so I don't get all trouble, of this. You shouldn't have any trouble making the case for it. Yeah. No. I don't get all of this at all, and, and that's disturbing to me. Um, <coughs> this is why I continue to question this mayor and these other things. This is business 101. Now, we know Greg Fisher has never been nothing but a daggone playboy with a silver spoon in his mouth. His biggest claim to fame is that he was born to a daddy who had money and knew what he was doing because Greg Fisher never did anything. All right? But at the same time, we have to look at the big picture here. He wants to claim he's a businessman. Just show me your business credentials because you haven't shown anything to me. On top of all of this, when we get into the rest of the cuts that he's wanting to do, he's going to cut out one firehouse. He's going to cut out a firehouse. He's going to cut out an ambulance, two libraries, shut down the pools, canceling one police recruit class, getting rid of 17 resource officers, and then 300 total city jobs. Um, so when we look at all of this in play, there's so much here to pick on. I mean, it, it just defies logic. Uh, you know, let's, let's start with this. Let's go ahead and start with the local firehouse. Is there a reason to close a firehouse? Absolutely. In some areas, we do have too many firemen. Uh, you know, we've got enough firehouses that are close enough to make that up, you know, and we can get to some of that. But when you look at losing a police recruit class, the police recruit class are essentially replacing retirees uh, and older seniority guys who are getting ready to retire. We're not really adding police officers anywhere. We're just maintaining the status quo. So how does he justify that? Um, you know, if you want to get into the 17 school resource officers, and we'll get to the phones in just a second. We've got Paul waiting in the queue. Uh, when you get into 17 school resource officers, that's 17 policemen that we're putting in these schools. It's not the police department's job to go police the schools or sit inside them schools all day. It's the school's responsibility to take care of their own safety. And JCPS has plenty of money for that. So we look at all of these different things. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it last year that JCPS had, was basically debating whether or not to go ahead and take over their own, own security and get the yeah, police out of the schools? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so so we look at all of these different things. They want their own police force anyway. Yeah. So came, he's trying to pretend up, like this up, is doing something. Yeah. It came up when there was a, a, a pretty good-sized fight in J-Town, J-Town High right. School and, uh, and a couple right. of J-Town cops that were resource officers got into it with them and, you know, and, and right. took care of it. And people are like, oh, these cops were too rough, you know. Oh, why are cops in the schools anyway, you know? And like, and, and right. That's when they started yeah. talking about it. So it's like, okay. Well, Absolutely. Risk granted, risk granted, take them out, you know. Put them on the street. Mm -hmm. Put them on the street yep. right outside the high school <laughs> when they let out. But, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shot spotter. You know, the thing where a shot goes yeah. off somewhere in the city, a thing goes off to tell them there's been a shot fired somewhere in the near vicinity, like that's ever going to do any good. That was a joke to begin with. So well, we get rid know, of that. That's you know, fine. I'm just going to say, if you got plenty of money, I, I, huh? see, I see that, you know, shot spotters worked a, few, a number of times where it does cut down the response time, which if you're in a neighborhood where that's happening, great. 
if the city has a lot of money. That's that's like uh, that's like an well, option on a, a car you're buying. It's like, yeah, you want the fire seats? Well, if it's if if you got the money and it's in your budget, do it. <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah, so right instead of taking yeah, so instead of taking thirty now, minutes. Can't afford shot spotter. Yeah. So instead of taking thirty minutes to respond, you get it cut down to twenty five. By then that guy's long gone anyway. We'll get in some more in just a second. Paul, you're on the air. Can I open up a can of worms? Well, you Why always not? do. What's different now? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> you know, Louisville is not unique in facing budget issues like this. I have to wonder, and I do this, I wonder all the time about the impact of organized labor jobs on budgets such as unlimited budgets. You know, more than half of the city's jobs are unionized. And the unions, of course, all the leaders of the local unions that have got government employees, they're all fussing and groaning and making these public statements about don't don't rest the the balancing of the budget on the backs of the wor- of the workers. Well, they mean the union workers. That's what they mean, yeah. but that's not what they're saying. Absolutely. And the union the unions have have enjoyed many 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 years of oh I don't know things like. Uh, good salaries, good perks, when the money was there, you know, in the public sector, you know, it's okay to make these agreements. But we have all seen in the private sector when certain companies got in deep financial trouble, such as Ford and GM, they had to renegotiate their union contracts. And a lot of the union members weren't happy about taking pay cuts or reduced benefits, but you want to know something? They had a job. They had the benefit. Well, see, that's the whole thing. Okay. That's the whole thing. And the other and part so of that is, too, I, though, I, they actually I, they I, actually I, produce I, a product and profit, too. The city don't. Go ahead. Well, that's correct. Uh, public sector unions produce nothing except expense. That, that They maintain whatever the status quo happens to be, but they don't – they follow the dictates of the executive branch, which in this case is Fisher and crew. But, but no, they don't produce a product that – that can generate revenue. They are 100% cost, 100% cost, okay? Now, uh, the mayors that are doing this, we had a, a number of communities around the nation that have, have had to declare bankruptcy because their finances just didn't keep up. They just didn't keep up. Um, Louisville has got some some offices, some departments that are highly questionable. So for example, uh, the 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 Department of Resilience and Community Services, which is a Greg Fisher. Greg right. Fisher initiated that. Right. All right. All right. And then we have the uh, the Office for the Division of Community Forestry. Community Forestry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are those are necessary departments, aren't they? Top mm-hmm. things, aren't they? Yeah. Top well, things, aren't they? Well, and the and the funny thing, the funny thing about things like the Department of Forestry is if you. If you if you talk to people who are activists and when it comes to being green and stuff, it's like this this they're useless. They they plant a few trees here and there, but they're they're relatively useless. They haven't addressed the uh, the the as more problems. They haven't addressed a lot of stuff. And like uh, you know, I'm in the wood business, and we'll tell you straight up, it's like that when you're in the southeast. You don't really need to plant trees if you just kind of turn your back on a field and don't mow it. <laughs> you can have all the trees you want; they just show up, you know. 
But yeah, right. Division of Forestry. It's like okay, well, great. I mean, there's, there's. I'm trying to think of her name. Uh, uh, I think Sterling Cunningham. She's into this, and we've talked before about. She's a, she's a left wing activist, but when she got out, a lot of stuff. And yeah, Division of Forestry. It's like, what are they doing? I mean, I, I've mocked them before when they have this buy a tree thing. It's like 125 dollars. It's like, dude, seriously. Hundred twenty five bucks, I'll go to Walmart and I'll come out with nine trees for you. You you know, make it eight and I'll buy a shovel and we can plant them. So you know, they don't like where are you so, coming up with these prices? So what did communities like Louisville do to handle the issues that all these departments, such as the Department of Sustainability, what did Louisville do prior to the implementation of these departments, which by the way were established when well, financial times well, were Paul, good. Paul, we, Paul, come on. Well, we, we were all dying. We were dying. We had no trees. The water was polluted. The roads were full of potholes. We had a life expectancy. <laughs> you know, don't you remember? Don't you remember? God, wow. Paul, I see, I see, I see, I see you've been out to Dixie Highway lately. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I tell you, it's interesting. <laughs> I tell you it's interesting because that's that's very true. You know, we look at all these things. We mentioned the unions a minute ago. I don't think I don't know if you were on or not, but we mentioned the unions a minute ago, like Metro Corrections. And the problem with city unions is it also interlinks to the pension crisis. This this uh, this Sergeant Manley we were talking about at Corrections, who uh, who made one hundred ninety thousand or one hundred eighty nine thousand dollars last year, right? One hundred thirty of which was in uh, overtime. When you look at all of this money and stuff, right? The reason he's working all that overtime is one, he can, he's top senior, so he's going to be able to get all the overtime he wants, but he's doing that to pad his annual salary. His annual salary kicked up three years ago to this stuff. As soon as he made sergeant, he started volunteering for all the overtime you could get. Now, what that does is, when you figure the pensions for city employees, they take either the top three or the top five years, I, I can't remember, All right, and that's what they base your pension on. So he's making $180,000 a year, and his pension is going to be six figures a year. He's going to make probably 140, 150 that a year, not working on a pension. You go to Ford or a GE, you work 30 years, doesn't matter how much overtime you worked in that 30 years, doesn't matter how much pay you worked in that 30 years, you're going to get the same pension as another guy who went there 30 years. All right, so the, so, the, so the private unions are different in that regard as well. If those guys want more money, great, invest in a 401k. City employees should, should be able to do that too. So these guys are padding that. And then in a lot of cases, let's look at all the double dipping. Now, a lot of people say, well, that ain't double dipping because they still got to do this job. When you retire from a city job, you're gone 30 days and you come back and you get that same job at the top pay you were at when you retired or with the raise, which is exactly what happens every single time, then it is costing us more money. If you lose that job, you're going to promote somebody to that job, which then you're going to have to hire a new person at a lower level. So it does cost us more money every time we do that. You know, but they don't, want, they don't want to acknowledge the obvious, and that's where the pension crisis has come from. We've seen this time and time and time again. You know, so now we've got a pension crisis because we're paying out more benefits uh, than we should be. I would venture to say that our pensions well, – go ahead. There, there's not a huge pension crisis when it comes to the politicians' pension fund. The legislators oh, absolutely not. They get funded first. Is among, is among the best funded of all the Kentucky plans, and they, too, engage in this double dipping. They will retire from the absolutely. legislature in some form or, or get retired, and then they go get hired by a state agency. So they are double, and in some cases, 
triple dipping. Triple. But, so, Ed, you're absolutely. right. They, they are absolutely exploiting the system, and who's paying for it? Absolutely. That's right. Everyone else. Everyone absolutely. else. Absolutely. And that's the thing, especially when you're an expense-driven business. You know, so all of these things we know, and, you know, Ed Martin has a business. I've had my own business. You've got your own business. I mean, we, we know these things. But we have to suffer through the idiocy of these damn politicians as small business owners. We get chastised. We get, we get treated like crap. We get overtaxed. We get destroyed for these politicians that keep their little secure jobs by sucking up to the people who shouldn't be sucked up to. The city workers are going to have to feel the pain like everybody else. If they're not willing to feel the pain, bust the union. Ronald Reagan busted the Air Traffic Controllers Union. Why not? Bust it. If they're not going to do their job and work to protect their job, well, we sure as hell shouldn't have to do anything to help them protect it. We want to work together. That's a <laughs> partnership. We don't have a partnership when one guy sits there and holds you hostage. And I think the teachers just found that out, too. Yeah. You know, so we look at all of these different things. And it just becomes amazing to me. So we'll go back to the budget cuts, right? Well, and I, and I, well, I, mean, I was going to say, on top, of the, on top of that, you know, you hear people say, oh, it's service, it's service, you know, and like teaching, it's a calling. Uh, libertarians will be quick to point out to you, it's like, you voluntarily took this job. I mean, you know, you, right. you took it, okay? It's like, you, you're, not, you're not doing us a, a service or anything. You took the job. Knowing full well what it paid and everything else. Mm-hmm. Like, so please, you know, let's let's not, you know, I don't, I don't hear people at GE or Ford saying, "Well, I'm doing a service to you." It's like, no, you took right, the job, right. you took the pay. Yeah, you know, and I, 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 without I, me, you I'll wouldn't have private, a car. I'll give the, right. I will give the I will give the private unions <laughs> that much. I'll give them that kudos. You know, they understand it's a job. They took the job. You know, they're right. not going to sit back and go, well. We're doing a service to the country by building three-quarter ton pickup trucks so they can, you know, no. they just like, yeah, we're good for it. And you pay for work and afford. Done. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I think you bring up a relevant point because it's funny. You, you talk to any teacher, well, I took this job because I love this job. It's what I want to do. Great. You know, well, what's your problem then? You're doing the job you love. It's getting too hard to do, and I don't make enough money. Oh, so you're not a happy employee. You're a disgruntled employee. Welcome to 98% of the rest of fucking America. Yeah. How many happy employees are actually yeah. happy to be working in a job? I mean, think about it. I mean, you own I mean, your own business. People, people bitch, when it's hot, people, people, you know, well, people can be satisfied. People can be satisfied with their job as they should be. You know, there's a trade-off. Sure. What you pay, but I've had I've had employees say, "Oh, well, you know, it's not fun." And I said, "Well, look, if it was no. fun, you would be paying me to come in here, like." Like you would pay to go to Kentucky Kingdom or absolutely. To that's 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 fun. That's the whole idea behind fun. Absolutely, it's not it's it's not it's not like a, a good fun time. That's why we right. pay you to come here. <laughs> most of the people, most of the people that work out at your Ford and, and shit like that, you know, most of them will tell you they love their paycheck, they love the money, but they can't stand the job. So you nope. have to make a choice. Are you working for money or are you working for enjoyment? Don't try to confuse the two, and don't sit here and tell me how bad you have it. You know, I mean, case in point here, yeah. we're looking at this with, uh, you know, since we're going to move on to this, we'll go ahead and get into it now. But you look at Matt Bevin and Andy Bashir bullshit. Once again, Andy Bashir, yeah. the only thing he cares about is AG, is to sue a Republican governor. He's no different than, than his daddy. He's no different than Greg Dumbo. None of them, right? 
So he's filed a lawsuit against Matt Bevin because Matt Bevin's uh, people have asked. Uh, the labor cabinet has subpoenaed the school districts for the teachers' names that were calling in sick and created a work stoppage. Work stoppage is the key here. I call it a wildcat strike. But the labor cabinet is responsible, all right, for researching and finding out if something is a work stoppage or if it's legal. Well, in this particular case, there's no ifs, ands, or buts that all these days off that these teachers took was a work stoppage. I don't even think you can argue against that. So Bashir is trying to say, well, this is intimidation. No, it's not intimidation. This is the job of the labor cabinet. This is what they're supposed to do. So he's going out here trying to freak out and keep this crap in there so he can get some daggone mileage out of it as a political stunt. And personally, I think he's violated campaign finance laws. We'll explain that in a minute. But, you know, so he's trying to stop this, calling Matt Bevin a bully and all this other stuff. Well, the reality is you pulled off a work stoppage. You teachers did that. This was not something that just happened by its own uh, fruition. This was a well-orchestrated, well-planned attack to shut down the Jefferson County school system. And it worked. This was an organized attempt to shut down labor. And it worked. Guess what? That's a work stoppage. That is illegal. The labor cabinet has the ultimate authority to investigate that. Go ahead. I was going to say, this is is the the worst kind of pandering because – Let's face it, you knew it, I knew it. Everybody knew what was going on. The teachers basically sure. let us, and, and they were proud of it. They're like, we're going to shut this. You know, I, they never, it was no official statement from the, the, from the, the, the Kentucky Teachers Association or whatever, but, or, or whatever it is. There was no official statement, but everybody knew the teachers were going to sick out and they were going to shut it down. They were, they were relishing their their newfound power and, and their, you know, all that. They were, they were very, very, very upfront about it. And now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, baby Bashir is sitting there saying, Oh no, they were just, you know, no, what? This wasn't, you know, this, it's like, no, I'm sorry, folks. You were very upfront about it. You were very in our face about it as taxpayers. And, and it was fun right. until somebody said, well, I'd like to have her name. She was like, Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. What? no, this is not right, you know. It's like, no, come on, uh, you know. And this is this is just it's so annoying. It's like, no, you you were shutting the schools down. You were proud of the fact you were shutting the schools down. You relished the fact that you were shutting the school district down until somebody said, "Well, you know, I don't have your names." And then it's like, oh, oh no, no. And all of a sudden, I'm not proud. I I, I don't even, I don't want my name associated with it. I don't want to be on a list. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, but but you wanted to be on TV throwing yeah. the beach balls around and stuff, and they didn't. Right, like, they don't want anybody to identify them. Right. Oh, they were, everybody knows who they were. You know, it's like, right. like if you wanted to, yep. you just get on the TV and just look at the tapes or the demonstrations and crap. You know, but you know that, that's what it gets me is people are like, I'm an activist. I'm exercising my right. I'm this governor is an asshole. I'm going to go. For <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then somebody says. Uh, what's your name? Oh, well, no, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't part of the sick out. You know, no, no, I'm being, I'm being intimidated. It's like, you know, look, if you were in the sick out, I, I have lost at this point. I've lost all respect for the teachers that participated in the sick out, because look, if you're going to do it, 
nut up or shut up. If they were, if you were in the sick out, if I was, I was just say, if I was in the sick out, you know, and I did it, and so I said, we want a list. I'll say, I got your fucking list. I'm all right there. Put me at the top of it. God damn it, I did it. Right. You know, and I'm I'm not going to go out with my tail tucked. I'm not going to go out with my tail tucked between my legs. You know, doubling back and seeking anonymity after the fact. It's like, no, did you do it? Right. Just, Damn right, I did it. You know, I'm the same way when I get pulled over by the cops. They go, you know, how fast you were going. I'll tell them exactly how fast I was going. You know, right. and I'll try to talk right. my way out of it. You know, I'm not gonna not gonna act all sheepish like, oh, oh, I didn't know I was speeding. It's like, yeah, I know I was speeding. I'm sorry. You know, I was in a hurry. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. You did it. You know, you own up to your bullshit. Yeah, you own up to your bullshit. You normally get better results. What's interesting here is, you know, Bashir said that the cabinet has no standing to intervene in a teacher's sick outs because there's no labor dispute between a public employer and its employees. Now, see, this is wrong because the labor cabinet has the authority to investigate any perceived illegal work stoppages. They also have the authority to issue individual fines of up to $1,000 a day to those found to have been involved. So once again, what they're saying is we don't want to be identified because we're going to have to pay $1,000 a day, right? And on top of all of that, define public employer and its employees. Seriously, I want the argument to be made that these public employees are paid by the public employer's taxes to come from all the citizens of the city. We're the ones who fund the public employer. So we're stockholders, are we not? And if we're stockholders and everything else, then you damn well betcha we have a right to be concerned about employees. So the whole public employer and employees thing is the biggest farce of garbage I've ever heard. And, of course, that's something they always use. And, quite frankly, they usually get away with it. And then, of course, Bashir says that the teachers weren't protesting about their working conditions, but they were protesting about bills related to public education funding. And they were engaged in protected political speech. That's not true either. They were bitching about their working conditions. Of course it's not. They were bitching about their daggone work conditions. We've got all kinds of proof of that through their own daggone statements to the few people who actually talk to the media. And then I love JCTA President Brent McKim, who has now joined this lawsuit, and said said that this investigation poses an immediate harm to teachers uh, because it's designed to make teachers fearful to engage on behalf of their students and their profession in public education. These teachers didn't engage shit on behalf of their students. These students had to miss six days of school. The school year was extended by six days that these students had to make up. The parents who were going on vacation the day after the end of school now have to postpone a week, at which point they probably lost their vacation because their employers scheduled vacations in advance. So it had a ripple effect throughout the entire community. They didn't care one bit about their students. They cared about getting their asses what they wanted, like always, and didn't care about anything else or anybody else but themselves. That's the union, and that's ridiculous. So Brent McKim can kiss my ass. I really don't like him anyway. You know, Greg Fisher can kiss my ass. And public employers, you know, which are stockholders, the taxpaying citizens are, they need to stand firm and say, screw Andy Bashir. Get this guy out of political office. I can't stand Adam Elin or Gil Holland. But shit, I'll take yeah. that before I'll take the sure at this point. And, and again, and again, I'm going to say it. It's just, you know, once again, I'm going to say if if you have a private union like the UAW or the Teamsters or something, and they want to shut you down, they shut you down. <laughs> they don't give a shit. 
and and they won't hide from it. You know, employees are like, oh, no, they're going to have to put on bandanas on their face. Don't want to be identified. No, they will get in your business. If you're the employer, they will get in your business, and they will own it. The private sector unions will own their shutdowns. They will own their sick outs. They will own their protests. You know, that's what I say. These teachers and stuff and all these – they get out there, and they, they want to protest. The cameras are on, and they're screaming their their, their little chants and stuff. But all of a sudden, you know, when it comes to their names and stuff, they well, they don't want to be they don't want to be associated with it because, Lord knows, when you're in a private union, hell, if you don't you don't put your name on the line and hit the pickets, and they don't know who you are, you don't get strike money. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, you don't get strike pay. And here's another funny part of this: you're going to find you 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 guys are going to like this. On top of all of this, Andy Bashir was doing all this essentially to get the JCTH. To get the JCTA union's endorsement, I'm sure. He wants a teacher's union behind him for his election. McKim's union last week announced it was not going to endorse Andy Bashir, and they're going to endorse Adam Edlin. So Andy Bashir is doing all of this to get the endorsement of this, the JCTA, and he didn't get it anyway. Talk about a smack in your face, right? You know, Edlin gets a gold mine, Bashir gets a shaft. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy, but... It, it is interesting, right? And, and there's one other thing I want to point out here before we move on. In Kentucky, it is illegal. Listen to those words again. I know in Kentucky, especially in Louisville, I like this sanctuary, everything illegal is legal. I get that. But in Kentucky, it is illegal for public employees, including teachers, to strike or participate in other forms of work stoppages. And there is no doubt in the world that this is a work stoppage. It's cut and dry. So what they're scared of is getting their $1,000 a day fines. And that's why they want the names so they can go ahead and find them and teach them a lesson. And I hope they do. We could use it. Maybe they can take that money and put it in their pension funds. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it, it's pretty way, interesting. Thousand, and, the thing, and the thing is, this $1,000 a day fine, that's not new. They knew what they were getting into. It's Absolutely, like they knew what they were getting into. It's not like this was passed retroactively. Like, right. No, when you went when you went for the work stoppage, if uh, if your union representatives and stuff had any any salt to them at all, you were informed. And if you weren't, tough shit. But the rules are the rules. You did a work stoppage. Union is you know, hey, you know what's ironic in all of this proposed fine is that Brent McKim doesn't have to worry about losing any money because Brent McKim's job title. On the Jefferson County Public Schools public payroll is union president. Their contract has public money from JCPS paying the salary of the of the union president, and he doesn't spend any time in the classroom. He does nothing but union business. How do you like that? Isn't that a sweet job? Yeah. And then when and then when all your union members are doing their sick outs, you're like, well, uh, we can't stop them. Yeah. So you don't have any. So your union, dude, what do you do? You know, you couldn't tell your union, don't do the sick out. We can't control these people. Like, well, what the hell is this? Please tell me what this union is. (laughs) I'm curious as hell now. What do you do? (laughs) Well, I tell you, it's interesting too. I didn't mean to cough in your all's ear. I didn't hit the mute button in time. I apologize. I, um, you know, I tell you something else interesting too. We're talking about Andy Bashir. Andy Bashir is obviously going to have a problem. 
Now, they're bragging about Handy Bashir has this big lead, but his lead has been shrinking in the last week or two. And, of course, he did because, you know, he, he was a Bashir. But we're starting to find out this is going to be an issue. I mean, even the Courier-Journal is now taking sides. Now, they're going to pretend like they're in the middle and everything else. But pay attention to what the Courier-Journal writes. For example, today, they put out a story about the uh, sexual abuse and the Boy Scouts and Bashir's role in it, right? And, and the thing starts out, and this was written by uh, Philip Bailey. haven't seen his name in a while. They must have finally uh, let him write about something again. I think it was shut down for a while. But anyway, uh, but new allegations and research of sexual abuse in the Boy Scouts could emerge as a wedge issue in the Democratic primary battle for Kentucky governor. So the point is this. Uh, more than 200 individuals have come forward with claims of sexual abuse in the Boy Scouts of recent weeks. Uh, the organization has records on nearly 8,000 leaders accused of abuse, hundreds of lawsuits by roughly 12,000 accusers in the past few decades. Um, and Andy Bashir, of course, was working for Stites and Harvest, and he took his daddy's job so that he could sit there and not do much. They put him in charge of the uh, defending the Boy Scouts, uh, Scoutmasters, and, of course, you know, he defended them against child abuse. And now, all of a sudden, he cares about child abuse. So, Andy Bashir, who has defended the Boy Scouts against child abuse, now claims he cares about child abuse and all this other stuff. And, of course, the Courier-Journal is now going to point these things out to everybody. Why? Because they want Gil Holland, our favorite communist socialist, living off a corporate welfare man who's married to one of the richest people in the town, the Brown family, you know, and his buddy, Adam Elin, who has turned into a socialist pariah, um, to become the next mayor and deputy mayor. So now they're going to go after Andy Bashir. Um, it's interesting that they would do this wedge story right before the primary election. Um, you know, so I find that interesting as well. Andy don't have the, the legs that he thought he did, um, you know. And so we're looking at all of this stuff. Adam Elin is out there playing the socialist game, kissing everybody's ass like normal. And, you know, now Andy Bashir is going to start having problems. How does he justify defending the Boy Scouts against sex abuse when he knew it was sex abuse and then sitting out there going after the Boy Scouts, the same people he defended, uh, for sex abuse? Think about that one real quick. I'm going to bring in Mr. McAdam <laughs> yeah. before we run out of time. Thomas, how are you, sir? Just fine. <clears throat> Interesting thing about the Bashir story <clears throat> that uh, that was in the Courier-Journal, uh, that same story was, was written on March the 22nd, a month ago, in the Lexington Herald-Leader. Uh, John Cheeves and uh, uh, Daniel DeRochers, the two investigative reporters, wrote that story, uh -huh. and it's a, it's a lot more detailed in the, in the leader. The Herald-Leader has been, been pimping for Edelin since day one, and, right. and the, the Courier was trying to play both sides to to see which way the wind was blowing. They weren't going to print anything really really bad about either Edelin or right. Bashir. But they've obviously, right. after sitting on it for a month, decided to go ahead and, and go with the article. What he did when he worked for Stice and Harvison was represent the Boy Scouts, which was with their client in a civil litigation brought by Ann Oldfather uh, for two Boy Scouts that had been molested uh, in Paducah. At the uh, Boy Scout troop that 
Episcopal Church has down there, and and the whole case turned on a question of the statute of limitations. Now you remember when when the when the lawsuits started coming against the archdiocese for the molestation right. by the priests, they were all way outside of the statute of limitations. But the courts ruled that because the church had been involved in a cover up, that that told the the statute of limitations. In other words, that they couldn't rely upon the statute of limitations because they had hid the evidence. Well, it's the same thing in the Boy Scouts. But the difference in this case was Andy got to argue this case in front of a judge that his daddy had appointed. Okay, and so the thing stinks to high heaven. And and uh, you know, Ann Oldfather was nice about it and, and quoted in the Herald Leader article as saying, "Well, I'm sure that uh-huh. that." Uh, that uh, uh, Brashear had difficulty with this case, and that you know he was just representing right. a client and so forth. And now he comes on, and now he's saying one of his campaign things is we ought to change the statute of limitations on on sex abuse cases so that they're that, that it's like felonies. There is no statute of limitations right. on it, right? right. Uh, for 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 civil lawsuits. So he is just as transparently hypocritical as he could possibly be. He's his daddy's boy, the apple don't fall too far from the tree but i think what's interesting whenever you see an article like this is figure out why did it take the courier journal a month to discover this article they read the leader every day you know that's that, that the, the leader does more investigative reporting than the courier does uh the courier yeah, amen to that you know, the courier it, and look who they put up and look who they put up to write it I, i'm just going to ask a question doesn't the courier print the leader no, no, no. Well, they do. They do occasionally. Oh, yo, yeah. Actually, print it. Yes, they do. Physically print it. They physically <laughs> print true. it. Yeah. They, they actually yeah. physically print it. That they're. Well, that that part is true. Yeah. <laughs> but but, oh, but, yeah. but the thing is, Phil Phil Bailey, you know, didn't didn't come up with this article. They were they were deciding whether they were going to run this article or not. And it took them a month to decide it. And so they smell blood in the water, and they know that Brashear so is. Usual. So as usual, they, want to they be on put the up a side. reporter. Well, as usual, though, they put up a nobody reporter like Philip Bailey to put the story out because they don't right. care what happens to him anyway. Um, essentially, they plagiarize the article, but they'll word it in a way where they can get away with it like they do with my yeah. shit. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah, and that's the thing. And I'm glad you mentioned that about about the uh, about the judge in this case. That's actually one of the places I was heading. But there's a, but there's a nice quoted statement by, by Bashir in this article. It says, I learned early on as Attorney General that government, especially when it came to offering services to victims, had to do things differently in order to give a voice to survivors and ensure that what we do helps enough lift those who have experienced trauma. I learned early on as Attorney General. The son of a bitch <laughs> billed his ass off to protect the Boy Scouts and use the statute of limitations and everything else. And now all of a sudden, as Attorney General, he received this insight and this knowledge. He's so full of shit, it's unreal. I mean, that's the truth of it. He's just like Mike O'Connell. Mike O'Connell is a great crusader to protect kids from right. from abuse right. and so forth. And he's the one that was going to release the names of all of the of the Explorer Scouts victims until the right. until everybody right. screamed and yelled at him, and he backed away from Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, I just wanted to level the playing field. He said, "These people Absolutely. are complete hypocrites." 
They cover up. They cover up this stuff. The sex abuse that's going on in the Boy Scouts has been covered up for generations. It's just as bad as what went on in the Catholic Church, uh, and maybe even worse uh, because because they 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 kept files. They they call it the pervert file. Man, they, when they, I was they, a kid I, in the Boy Scouts. When I was a kid at the Boy Scouts, I didn't go to any of the Boy Scout camps for a week and all of that shit. Uh-uh, my parents would let me do that because everybody knew what was going on there then. And this is back in the, what, 70s? So, you know, I mean, late 60s, early 70s, we knew what was going on. We knew what was going on. So I wasn't allowed to go to that stuff. A, they weren't going to take that chance. I was, I was a Boy Scout in the 50s, and I can guarantee right. you that the Scoutmaster we had uh, was notorious for... For having uh, 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 yep. some of the better-looking Boy Scouts uh, sleep in his pup tent with him and share a sleeping bag, I never did. You but, but we knew we knew it was going on. We, you know, hell, I was ten, eleven years old. I didn't know right. too much about what it was all about. But but they were right. everybody talked about it. Everybody, in fact, the Absolutely. scout master in my troop ended up getting fired for it. Didn't get prosecuted, right. but he was absolutely. He, uh, let go, as I say. <laughs> Absolutely. So in, yeah. And so in 2010, uh, the Boy Scouts were uh, slapped with a landmark decision, $18.5 million uh, damages in a sexual abuse case. There were over 20,000 confidential documents in that case. They were called the perversion files. Uh, really? Now the Boy Scouts of America is getting ready to file a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, which would obviously save them a, a, a lot of shit when it comes to filing claims for victims. Uh, you know, And, of course, after that, once they file the Chapter 11, once they emerge, they're going to be reorganized, and they're not going to have faced any litigation whatsoever for any of this stuff. So, you know, that's how you hide it. And that's another thing that should be, should be pointed out here. If you're going to protect the victims, quit letting anybody, I don't care who it is, whether it's something like this or whether it's a company or anybody else, quit letting these people file bankruptcies and reorganize or shut down their businesses, just open the next day with another business name, and they're still the ones involved. Let that follow them and hold them accountable everywhere they go. That's another thing that drives me nuts when it comes to victims' rights. Companies do that all the time. They'll file bankruptcy, open up tomorrow under a new name, same corporate people running the damn thing, but they don't owe anything because that corporation was bankrupt. Well, if a CEO is going to supposed to be responsible for what's going on in his business, then let's hold him responsible. When he goes into that next business doing the same damn thing with a new name, he should still be obligated for that for those for those problems. Now a lot of people will hate me for that, but it's the truth, you know. And uh, so we look agree, at all these I different agree things. Totally. I, I think I think <laughs> so, the the management people at the Boy Scouts ought to be held personally liable, not not absolutely. just the Boy Scouts Corporation, but the people that were involved in the cover up should be held personally liable for the damages that they caused. Absolutely, they should. So until we start getting to that, you're not going to have any so-called victims' rights anyway. The victims are always the ones who got to pay the price, and that's a sad reality in any situation, not just this one. Um, you know, so it is what it is. You know, um, we look at all of these things at play. I want to mention one thing real quick because I know we're at the top of the hour. Yes, got to get out of here in a minute. The new PVA assessments came out. They were mailed out Friday. And uh, to say these things are comical, to say the least, would be an understatement. This was a targeted attack. I think it's time to file a lawsuit on it, and I will probably be going for that. Uh, but this is a targeted attack to screw with the South End people 
for standing up against Greg Fisher and all his tax garbage. And it's also targeted on individuals as well. And I went through over the weekend, I knew this was coming, I went through over the weekend, got comparables with the new rates and everything else, and uh, went ahead and downloaded and copied them to make sure they didn't disappear once I filed a lawsuit. Uh, but my address, for example, no, I'm not going to give you guys that. But the assessment on my, on my property, it's really funny. The overall assessment went up about 35%. You heard me right, 35%, okay? My assessment went up. Uh, which is a joke. Even though my land value went down a full third, the land value went down a third, but my overall property assessment went up 35%, and uh, which is amazing because I haven't done any improvements to this house in recent years or anything else, right? So that was interesting to me, and I'm like, wow, if all my neighbors got hit like that, this really is a, a shock at the butt. This is what they want to do. So I decided to look up my next-door neighbor's house. I've got access to this kind of stuff. And my next-door neighbor's house is the exact same floor plan, the exact same property size, the exact same house, all the way down to the exact same two-car garage. Everything about us is identical, with the exception that they have a nice built-in pool in their yard, and I don't. Their property value went up 12%. These guys have spent $20,000 in the last year upgrading their property. So I'm trying to figure out how they can go up 12% and I can go up 35%. So I decided to look at other neighbors on my street and in the surrounding area for comparable houses. And it seems like most of those went up 10 to 12%. I'm the only one who went up 35%. Gee, I wonder why that is. So we'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be playing games with these idiots. Colleen Younger, get ready, because I'm going after your job now. You're a moron. But, uh, but those kind of things are what's going on. That's the bad as Churchill Downs. Oh boy, I tell you. Yeah, I tell you, Churchill Downs, you know, you know, everybody's sitting here saying well Churchill Downs finally took a hit because, you know, something that uh either Insider or Louisville or Courier Journal put out last year questioning it. That's not true, folks. They finally took a hit because I know personally who has been involved in contacting every Metro Council member and giving them all the background information you could possibly get. We've been talking about Churchill Downs on this show, me, Martin and uh, Paul Hollager has even called in on it and everything else. We've been talking about Churchill Downs. You have too, McAdam, for years. Yes, I have. This isn't, because of, this isn't because some random article showed up last year. It's because for the last two years, we've made it a priority to push it publicly in every domain we could get. And this particular person sent all this information to practically every Metro Council member and stayed on their ass for a response. And then, of course, I publicized it and got a hold of a couple council members that they didn't. Uh, leadership positions, and they were like, "Oh shit!" They did this because they didn't want to. And, they didn't want to get nailed for not doing it. It took a long time. And and Ed, also, you might recall that uh, WDRB is now taking credit for pushing this oh, yeah. issue. Uh, right. And WDRB again was among many of the media sources that were, in fact, made aware of this situation at Churchill Downs, just like years ago when you broke the. Poor older blacker right. story, and right. they they sat on it for a while, and then finally, at least I think it was WHAS, finally went public, and they gave you like, you know, ten word credit for that. They're <laughs> the old ones. You got to give them credit. They're the old ones. The Courier Journal still hasn't run an article about it. No, they haven't. And they're, and they're not going to. And this just and this just goes to show you how entrenched and in bed. The local media is with the local government folks. It's one absolutely, of the absolutely. 
And it brings up another aspect, too. It brings up one more aspect, too. Because for years now, we've been talking about selling Churchill Downs and the value of Churchill Downs. Greg Fisher continues saying we have this $65 oh, yeah. million dollar shortfall, and you got to have $35 million right away. They just established an assessed value at Churchill Downs of what was $117 million or something. And, uh, yeah, that's a joke. That's a joke. And the reality because is, right, the reality is that thing would go for four or five hundred million tomorrow if it was sold. You know, so that's the reality. Southern Kentucky called Kentucky Downs, and it went on the, the right. sale block, and they consummated the sale. Kentucky Downs. How many of you all have ever heard of Kentucky Downs? Hardly anybody. It's a small track in yeah. Southern Kentucky. It doesn't have Absolutely. the prestige that Churchill Downs does. It doesn't have the same level of racing that Churchill Downs does. Nope. But it sold. It sold for between one hundred fifty and one hundred seventy-five million dollars. This is just the track right. itself. So if that no-name, no-nothing, little minor track sold for that amount, how on earth can anybody justify claiming that the Churchill Downs track is only worth one hundred seventeen million? Give me a break. Give me a break. Well, that's yeah, the good. And the, and the fact of the, and the fact of the matter is, the way I look at it, I, I wouldn't even care if they sold it for a discount. You know, it might be worth half a billion dollars, maybe worth well, a city, billion dollars. The, the, the so city can't sell it. The city can't sell it. The sweetheart deal that uh, that Tina Hever wrote Not necessarily. For, uh, for, no, no, there's a, there's a clause in the lease that that the 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 Churchill Downs can buy it back at any time for one dollar. Right. That they have the right of first refusal at the at the price of one dollar. The city can't sell it for thirty years. But but at any I time, think we can break. I think we can break that in court. This thing expires in two thousand thirty-two. In two thousand thirty-two, the property. Go ahead. Hold on, hold on, guys. Look, the fact that they got this this first right of refusal in there means that the city can force their hand. Put the put the thing on the market today. Force their hand. Mm-hmm. Make Churchill Downs pay the dollar. Take title back, you know, and then that $117 million property now goes on the tax rolls again. It hasn't been on the tax rolls. Courier <coughs> Journal stated that. Well, that's true. Years. And then we, and then we can do. That would also force them. The city can't do that. It, it issued industrial uh, uh, industrial development that's what I'm bonds, at. municipal development mm-hmm. bonds, and the city is has – and those bonds would be forfeit. I mean, the, the city would it, it would end up having to pay those bonds off. Uh, uh, they get the money from because the social their, revenue, their revenue bonds. Well, I mean, it, it would be an, a very very ugly lawsuit. It would be a very ugly lawsuit. Worth uh, over half a billion, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, they have cheated the school system and the taxpayers of, of, Thank of you. Jefferson County out for about $15 million so far uh, yeah. on taxes that they haven't paid uh, because of this conspiracy not to reassess the value. Uh, you know, uh, 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 Tony Lindauer says, well, it's not my job to reassess uh, uh, government property. And the mayor say, well, you know, uh, we thought that they would, that, that they would take care of this. Uh, it's not my job. And the county attorney says, it's not my job. And the school board mm-hmm. said, well, we didn't even know about it. And, uh, and the school union, oh, well, we didn't know about it. I mean, it, what a bunch of bullshit. Everybody gets free tickets yep. to the Derby. I mean, I'm sure that's how yep. they paid off. I'm sure all these Absolutely. people get free tickets to the Derby. Uh, and and uh, Churchill Downs is making off like a bunch of bandits. 
Absolutely. It's a scandal. It's a scandal of epic proportions, and nobody's going to go to jail over it. Well, that's exactly I, it, and it's Tom, also something that we Tom, need to start looking at. Right on that. Yeah, he's 100% right. We are way into overdrive. I apologize having to wrap this up, but uh, it's time to roll. Paul, thanks for the call. McAdam, thanks for the call. I certainly appreciate both <laughs> you guys as always. Mr. Martin, final thoughts. You know, final thoughts, we're talking about Churchill Downs, and of course, and, and, and we have bitched about it for years, and Paul has, and you know, a lot of people have. But I just want to give a final shout-out to uh, John May. Unfortunately, did not win the, the PVA office race. We, we both liked him. We both endorsed him. You know, he was, he was our pick. But, you know, there's a guy that during the election, in spite of the dirty tricks the Dems played, in spite of the, you know, the machine, John May ran a good race. And he ran an issue-related race, and Churchill Downs was up big one. I mean, it was a huge part. You know, he, he brought that up because his schools were, you know, having funding issues and stuff. So I just, for final thoughts, I just want to give a shout out to a guy who, you know, unfortunately lost the race. But you know what? In hindsight, he's the one, he's the reason they did it because he made it such an issue. Colleen Younger really didn't have a choice. You know, she continued that after it had gotten out during the election that this is one of the big things John May was pushing. She would have had to defend it year after year after year, and it would have become an issue you know, going forward because John May politicized it, brought it out in the open. So just want to give a big thumbs up to John May on that because that's that, to me, I'm convinced, is damn near the only reason it got done. Well, I agree with you on the shout-out. Um, you know, John May is a class act, as far as I'm concerned, always has been. He took everything you could possibly ask for and more from from the media trashing him over his appraised the property of uh, Matt Bevan, uh, which he won, by the way, in every aspect, including the Kentucky Real Estate Commission, who said it was accurate. Uh, he did talk about Church of Downs and the other things. John May does things above board. And, you know, that's been my experience with John for many years. Uh, you know, his wife, Shelly, of course, was uh, head of the Republican Party here in Jefferson County for a while. And, you know, John, John is a, a pretty straight shooter. So seeing him go through everything he went through for the last couple of years, uh, including the election last year, and then being vindicated, I think that's great. I really, really do. Yep. Now, on the flip side of all of this, you know, I understand we have a bond issue with Churchill Towns. It was actually put into place in 2002, right before merger. And in 2032, uh, the property will revert to Churchill Downs automatically, uh, you know, which I think is highway robbery. However, we want to talk about, you know, the fact that can we do this or can we not? I think we can break that contract. Yes, I know it'll be a, be a, a hell of a court fight because everybody will freak out over it. But, you know, if we got to pay off the bonds and everything else, so what? You know, Churchill Downs essentially gets the use of the property and everything else on our dime. We finance all of their daggone construction and everything else for the most part, all the rehab work and everything else, just like we do everybody. We give them all the money to do what they want to do. Let's look at the Omni and other things, and we wonder why we're in trouble financially. But we bonded all of this stuff. They got to use our credit, our good faith, and everything else to get done what they want to get done. And it's a private corporation. Once again, I've got major problems with that. Now, Church of Downs wants to scream if we decide to do that, say, okay, give us a dollar, you get the property back. And once they get the property back, then we go through and reassess it for its real value, 
which I promise you will be about three times what they just came at. I think the real value of that property is going to be at least $300 million or more. And on top of all of that, they get to pay what everybody else pays, what every business else pays. They get to pay their MSD bill for one thing, like everybody else in this daggone city does. You know, all these other things. Their expenses are going to go right through the roof because they're going to be held accountable for their business, right? And this is the home of the Kentucky Derby, the best-known horse race and horse track in the entire world, okay? You can't sit here and tell me that that doesn't have value. So Churchill Downs wants to keep it, great. Let's play the game. Let's hold them accountable. Let's forget this crap until 2032. They didn't deserve that deal. They got a deal they didn't deserve. One, I think, could probably be considered illegal. I might be wrong. I know McAdams the attorney. I'm not an attorney. I get that. Uh, but, you know, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. But we need to start looking at the big picture. And these PVA assessments, anybody and everybody who got a new PVA assessment this year, including myself, go ahead and file your appeal immediately. Make these son of a bitches justify it. And in the meantime, I'll be putting together my lawsuit because it's time to go after these punks. This is ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it. So it's time to hold them accountable. Colleen Younger and everybody else. This is all about order at Greg Fisher. I don't care what he says or what he lies about. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But it, it's pretty impressive that this is what we got stuck with. So let's go take care of it. In the meantime, folks, that's it for this week. Have a great week. Mr. Martin, thank you as always. Yes, sir. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. The weather's starting to turn. It's getting warmer outside. You guys enjoy yourself. But have a great week. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. I'm the enemy. Because I like to think. I like to read. I'm into freedom of speech and freedom of choice. I'm the kind of guy who likes to sit in a greasy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the T-bone steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with the side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati in a non-smoking section. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why? Because I suddenly might feel the need to, okay, pal? I've seen this. Do you know what it is? It's a 47-year-old virgin sitting around in his base pajamas drinking a banana broccoli steak thinking I'm an Oscar Mayer wiener. <laughs>